0: Welcome to Annunciation with Father David. Father David is the priest at Annunciation Greek Orthodox Church in Decatur, Illinois, where every week people are connected to the ancient wisdom of Orthodox Christianity. Here is Father David. Christ is in our midst. Good morning. Good morning, Father. We come to a very interesting part of the Divine Liturgy in our study and meditation upon the Divine Liturgy. Because it asks of us something that has only been hinted at earlier in the liturgy. The deacon or the priest says, Let us love one another, and with oneness of mind may we confess. Now what's interesting about this is that the root word of oneness of mind, mind, is not the noose. It's not that part of the mind that experiences the relationship with God and the relationship with other people, but the intellectual part of our mind, that part of our mind where reason and intellect exist. And to make us understand the importance of this, let me go back in the liturgy to the prayer that is done by the priest just before the reading of the gospel. Shine in our hearts, O Master, who loves mankind, the pure light of your divine knowledge. And note, God is shining into our hearts, our noose, divine knowledge. And open the eyes of our mind, that is, the intellect, reason, that we may comprehend the proclamations of your gospel. In other words, the church is asking for us to have a holistic experience of God. That we not only have a relationship with God and know God through that relationship, but also to have a rational, intellectual understanding of that experience and that relationship. The reason that this is important is, again, earlier in the liturgy, We have this prayer from one of the anaphons, and it says, Lord, you have granted us to offer these common prayers in unison, and have promised that when two or three agree in your name, you will grant their requests. And at this point, we are about to head into what is known as the anaphora, meaning the prayers that surround the gifts where we ask God to send his Holy Spirit to descend upon these gifts here set forth. And in order to allow us to experience that in the fullness, the church asks that we be of one mind, that we all agree about who God is, so that these prayers might be fully effective for all of us. And thus, we have this petition by the deacon or the priest. Let us love one another, that with oneness of mind we may confess. And then the people respond with the hymn, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Trinity one in essence and undivided. In other words, the people respond with a dogmatic statement about who God is. This is who we understand God to be. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Trinity, one in essence, and undivided. Now, I realize that word dogmatic is sort of a dirty word in modern parlance, especially here in the United States. It has the connotation of being a stick in the mud, someone who is not flexible, someone who won't change their mind despite facts thrown in their face. But in context of the Orthodox Church, dogma and dogmatic have a completely different sense. Dogma are those things that the Church has proclaimed about God, that God has revealed to us. And those things don't change because God does not change. If God changed, then he would be like us. He would have a beginning and an end. And if God ever has an end, then what we are doing here today is a waste of time. So he is unchanging. So therefore, the proclamations that the church make about him are unchanging. And the reason that dogma is important is because it helps us understand who God is. It make, allows us to comprehend the proclamations of his Gospels, understand and be able to communicate who he is, to understand how his being and who he is affects how we behave and understand his church, his scripture, and his salvation. And this is illustrated today by both the epistle and the gospel reading. St. Paul tells us that we are the temple of the living God. That God says to us, I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters. That God will live in us. The way this happens is because God is a Trinity. God sends the Son, the second person of this Trinity, to take on flesh, to become a human being, so that our very nature becomes the temple of God. That the divine, the divinity of Christ, the divinity of the Holy Spirit, the divinity of the Father himself might reside in our very nature and thus within us and this is how we become sons and daughters of God and thus our behavior then changes if we are the temple of God then we should not touch anything unclean we should live pure lives always striving to become better at who we are striving to become more and more and more like Christ and today in the Gospel reading, I want to take our Trinitarian understanding of God and compare that with the Islamic understanding of God, and look at this same story and see how these two understandings of who God is arrive at radically different points of behavior and understanding. Because the Canaanite woman, of course, is not a Jew. She is outside of the people of God. And when she comes begging, and doing exactly what we have been doing today, have mercy, she says, as we have said over and over and over again. Help me, my daughter is possessed by a demon. Christ ignores her. He doesn't do that in order to insult her, but in order to set up a situation to teach to make people understand what he is really after. And he calls her a dog, and yet she still has the faith that he is the master, that he is God incarnate, to say that even the scraps from your table, even the smallest little bit of your grace and your mercy and your body and your blood is enough for me and my daughter. And to this he says, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And this whole thing illustrates to his disciples who are still in the mind that Christ is for the Jews when God came to save all of humanity. As he said, he becomes a human being. He shares everyone's nature. So it is possible for a Canaanite woman to come to God and receive his mercy and his grace and his healing. Now, in the Islamic faith, we surprisingly share a lot of beliefs. For example, Muslims believe that Christ is the Messiah. Muslims believe in the virginal birth, but they do not believe that he is God and they do not believe in a Trinitarian God. In fact, they teach that dogs are evil, that they should be killed, that if you have a dog in your home, angels cannot enter into that home. It's a magical belief that there needs to be these formulas that we need to perform in in order for God to act, that somehow our Having a dog around prevents God from doing his will in our home. And so by Christ calling her a dog, she is telling her that angels cannot help you. You should die. And yet he tells her that her faith is great and that he heals his daughter. And this becomes a contradiction and something confusing that we would then have to struggle to explain rationally. Because these two things don't make any sense. Dogs are evil and deserve to be destroyed, and yet God heals this woman's daughter. What's going on here? And the only thing that is left for us is obedience, that God is this radical other that we can never understand, that we can never get close to, and that our only activity on earth is to obey, even when it doesn't make any sense. And thus you see a huge gap between behavior and understanding of God between a Muslim dogma, or an Islamic dogma, and a Christian dogma. In a Christian dogma, this makes perfect sense because God is love. God wants to save all of his people. And God acts through faith to share his mercy and his grace and everything can be explained and understood because of the nature of God as Trinity. The second person comes to take on our nature in order to imbue our nature with those divine characteristics. But in a Muslim understanding of God, this doesn't really make a whole lot of rational sense. So reason gets set aside in favor of obedience. And that is what is so critically important about this petition. Let us love one another that with oneness of mind, oneness of reason, oneness of intellect, that we may confess that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Trinity, one in essence and undivided. We are not expected to simply obey. We are expected to use our reason, to use our intellect to understand why God acts the way he does. Even when it doesn't make sense, we are to question and to strive and to wrestle with God until finally we come to an understanding. And when we come to that understanding, we, as a people, can stand before God and ask Him to do wondrous and marvelous things. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, now and forever and to the ages of ages.